sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. All right, we are coming up on our second week in our series about exiles, about a time in the history of Scripture and the history of the, the Israelite people where they were cast out of their homes, cast out of their land, and uh, had to live um, just in a scrappy way among the people of Babylon. And last week we talked about Daniel and his friends first going into exile and, and how they stuck to the diet that God prescribed for them. And the biggest thing we learned last week is that God is on his throne in Babylon just as much as he is in Jerusalem. That you cannot go anywhere to escape the reign of our King Jesus. Uh, and uh, we talked about how we are living in a post-Christian culture, about how there are, our wider culture in America no longer assumes a basic knowledge and a basic respect for faith and how we can learn from these exiles and how to get along uh, in that kind of thing. So it's a good thing that Jesus is king in Babylon just as much as he is in Jerusalem. It's a good thing that Jesus is as much king in a post-Christian culture as he is in a Christian culture because the world does not seem to be getting any less crazy, does it? The world doesn't seem to be getting any less divided, any less controversial. And so this week we're going to take a look at a story that I'm Sure, you probably learned if you've been to Sunday school for any length of time. Uh, you probably saw this on the felt boards back in the day. It's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they're guys who were just minding their own business, trying to be the best recruits they could for the Babylonian king and still hold on to their identity as faithful servants of God. And then all of a sudden, if you remember the story, the king gets this big head and decides he wants everybody to bow down to him and puts this law into enforcement everywhere in the kingdom. And this idol gets put in this really prominent place. And any time they hear the sound of basically any instrument, every citizen is required to drop what they're doing and immediately bow down and worship this idol. And the penalty for failure to obey this law was to literally burn. To be thrown into a fire, a furnace, and to catch fire until they died. And so in this land of civil religion, where it was no big deal, where, where the, the, the king and the rulers of Babylon were synonymous with the gods that they worshipped, in, in the, the culture they were in, it was no big deal to just add another deity onto your laundry list of idols so that you bow down to it. It's a little inconvenient, sure. And everybody knows that they're just stroking the king's ego, but you indulge this king and his giant ego, and you do what you have to do to keep from 
burning to death, right? I mean, that's, that's how you get along in the land of Babylon, right? You just say, all right, sure, just please don't, please don't play the sound of an instrument when I'm on my way to do something important, right? Because I don't want to have to drop my whole load of groceries to bow down to this idol. Just please, just let me get home. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego couldn't go along with that. See, in, as Hebrews, they had this little inconvenient thing called the Ten Commandments to worry about. And there are two super important commandments that this new law violated, right? You will have no other gods before me, and you shall make for yourself no graven image to worship. And so they could not worship this idol, they just couldn't do it. And so it's important to note, you know, they didn't start a petition. They didn't cry about it. They didn't try to get everybody else to tear the, the idol down. They didn't say, oh, my religious liberty's gone. They just didn't bow down to the idol. They weren't about to abandon God for some dumb old law, for some king's ego. And so some jealous Babylonians noticed that these three didn't bow down, and they narked on them to the king. And the king was so mad. So this is where we're going to get. We're, we're, we're in the scripture. We're on Daniel chapter 3. And you know what? I said to start on, chapter, on verse 3, but I pretty much summarized all that. So we're going to start on verse 8. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve any gods, serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up. Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This brings us to the first thing that we can learn from following these three faithful men. And it's that following God in Babylon is going to cost you something. It just is. When people around you don't understand your faith and they don't share your faith, they're going to get mad when you don't conform. And that is going to have consequences. There are some countries in the world today where, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the penalty for doing so is death. And thank God we don't live in a place like that, but that doesn't mean that there's no cost to following 
God. It kind of reminds me of how things seem to work in the world today. It seems like everybody has an opinion about what should be going on. A tragedy strikes, something awful happens, and everybody rushes to the internet to give their own hot take on whatever the issue of the day is. And then we fight and we argue. And some people feel like they're taking a stand for Christ, but they're really doing more harm than they are for good. Some people feel like they're taking a stand for Christ, but they're really just conforming to the ways of the world. And the problem is, that God has called Christians to be peacemakers. And it's hard these days. When you're a peacemaker, it makes people on both sides of the aisle mad. And sometimes I think if Christians are going to really be peacemakers, it is going to cost us. It might cost us friendships. It might cost us influence in some circles. It might cost us jobs. It might cost us money, maybe even more than that in some circumstances. But God never promised that discipleship was going to be easy, right? Sometimes I ask myself, why couldn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have just bowed down to the idol insincerely, right? Why couldn't they have just said, all right, fine, we'll follow your rules, and then just gone about their day. Just because they're bowing down so they don't get executed, that doesn't mean that they were really worshiping the idols in their hearts. But I think the problem with this idea of just going along to not get killed in that situation is that once you've gone down that road, you've already lost your witness. They're already conformed to Babylon. And if you're going to live like an exile, you've got to realize that following God is risky. It's going to cost you something. And you've got to count the costs and be willing to pay it in order to live for God. That's just the unfortunate truth. And so the king confronts them about their unwillingness to be law-abiding citizens. And they don't deny it. They don't try to get away with it. They don't make excuses for their fact that they won't bow to this aisle. They don't even complain about the existence of the law. Here's what they say. It's in chat, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, Notice how they leave out the may you live forever part. <laughs> o Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God and we will not worship the golden statue that you've set up. I just love this answer so much. It's got to be one of the gutsiest lines in all of Scripture. To say to this powerful king who wants to murder you, I don't care what you say, we're not bowing down. You can kill us, and God can rescue if he wants to, but even if he doesn't want to, we're still not changing our minds. 
I just love it so much because they, they don't have this like pie in the sky, unrealistic optimism that everything is going to be okay in the end. Now, we know that everything's going to be okay in the end because we remember this story from Sunday school. But just imagine for a second that you don't know how it's going to end. That they're going to a furnace of fire and maybe God will save them, maybe they weren't. But they fully expected to die a painful, fiery death. They fully expected to be killed for their faith. And while they knew that God could save them, there was a pretty good chance that he wasn't going to. And yet they followed him to the end anyway. The death sentence was carried out on these guys. They ended up in the furnace, in the fire. Which brings us to the second point of learning from these guys. And it's that God does not promise us safety or success. He only promises us his presence. And that's enough. These guys knew that God didn't promise them rescue. Anything other than his presence. But if God was with them, then the king could do whatever he wanted to them. And it didn't matter. In America, we've been inundated with the prosperity gospel, which promises us that Jesus wants us to be healthy and happy and rich all the time. That we're somehow owed success and comfort if we can just follow Jesus and mail away our check. <laughs> we're told that if we believe hard enough, our enemies will come around to our way of thinking the people that sarcastically pick on us will have a crisis of conscience. Or that check for the exact amount of money we need will materialize in our mail because we believe in God and so everything's going to work out. Have you ever seen the movie Facing the Giants? I don't want to just dwell on this. But there's this Christian movie called Facing the Giants. It's pretty good. There's a football team and they. Uh, it's a Christian movie. But... It's, it's a nice movie, but it's like a Jerusalem movie, right? It's not a Babylon movie. The guy's life in this movie is like, uh, it's like a country song in reverse. He gets his truck back. He gets his wife. Okay, their football team wins. Just because he believed in God and had to prayer, everything worked out for him in the end. Spoiler alert, I guess. But the life of an exile isn't like that. That's not the kind of thing that God promises us. Just because we pray, just because we believe hard enough, we're not going to get the championship in the truck. Amen. Sometimes this stuff happens. Sometimes God comes through with us with good blessings, but we just can't count on it. Nowhere in the Bible does it promise us that because of Jesus, everything will go the way we want it to, or even the way we need it to. I think our church in America today needs to recover some of the gumption of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We need to proclaim our God is capable of doing anything that he wants to, but even if I have to suffer for my faith, even if things never improve for me, I'm still not going to turn my back on him. Because here's what God has promised us. He's promised us the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our life on a daily basis. 
He's promised us a Holy Spirit that will comfort us and guide us through the difficult times. Not around them, through them. He's promised us himself. The prosperity gospel makes promises and writes checks that they can't cash. The real gospel is that Jesus gets us through the tough times. Which brings us to the conclusion of our story. Daniel chapter 3, 19 through 27. So then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven more times than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them in the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose quickly. He said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw into the fire? And they answered the king, True, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, there's some folks that think that the fourth person in this fire was a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus. Some people say it was just an angel sent to protect them. And I don't know. I'm not going to fight about that. But here's what I want us to get out of this whole story. And it's the third thing we can learn from these guys. It's better to be in the furnace with God than to be outside the furnace without him. It's better to be in all the trouble in the world with God by your side than it is to get on easy street on your own. These guys had plenty of opportunities to deny God and stay out of trouble. And God would have forgiven them for it. But how much better was it to be faithful to their calling as believers, to refuse to bow down to the powers and the principalities of the world, and to follow God into the furnace, into trouble? And Nebuchadnezzar ended up blessing them for it. He ended up acknowledging God as the most high God for it. This king who had enforced this idolatry was now worshiping the most high God. Worship came out of the lips of a pagan king. 
because of their witness and their testimony. And the God of Jerusalem was worshipped in Babylon, all because these three were willing to follow God wherever he led, because they'd rather die than give up their allegiance to God. Anywhere we go with the presence of God is better than anywhere else we could be without him. You might say, well, there's no one trying to burn me at the stake for being a Christian. Why do I have to worry about this? But here's what I think it has to do with us. I think we've got to give up the idea that we can sit outside of the conflict to be safe, to lob opinions on social media and pretend like that's enough. We've been called by Jesus to do the hard work of being where we are in the time that we're called to be and to be peacemakers in this time. He's called us to be his hands and his feet here. So when we see the name of God being profaned, we don't join in. When we see violence and hatred and prejudice around us, we've got to be Christ in that situation. And it, what it means is that means that we tick off the people that are on the other side of the aisle of us, but we also tick off the people on our own side of the aisle because we're crossing boundaries we've set up for ourselves and being willing to see our enemies as people that God created and loves. And that is not a safe thing to do. It's not. It's hard, and it means putting ourselves out there. And it means alienating the people that thought we were on their side. And it means alienating the people that already hate us, make them hate us more. And it means that we, we <laughs> owe our allegiance to Jesus more than we owe it to any other party or any other person. But at the end, it's better to be in the furnace with Jesus than safe with the world. It's better to be with Jesus in the furnace of your public opinion than without him in the world of air conditioning. So today we got to ask ourselves, have we sacrificed our faith for the approval of an unbelieving world? Have we bowed down to the idol of public opinion? Have we bowed down to the idol of partisanship? Or are we willing to pay the price to follow Jesus where we are in a post-Christian world? It is not easy, and we're not promised success, and we're not promised comfort, but we are promised Jesus. And that's enough. It's just better. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray that you will help us to realize that the furnace with you is better than the outside world without you. I hope that we realize that following you in spirit and in truth means that we are going to get in trouble from every side. And that we are going to not be able to be safe. But God, there is better something better than safety, something better than comfort, and it is your Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us and leading us. Jesus, give us the courage and give us the guts 
to be able to say, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can do whatever you want to to us. I have no doubt that my God can save me, but even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down. Show us how to be faithful, God. Guide us in everything that we do. And give us grace when we falter. In your name I pray. Amen. Our closing song today is number 622. There is a fountain filled with blood. And I want to invite you, if you feel like you've been scared to get in the furnace with Jesus, if you feel like you've been bowing the knee to the forces of this world, come to the altar and pray. Let's repent together and follow Jesus. We'll invite you to stand and sing.